Hello, and welcome to The Shining Light, where we are shining the light of the gospel and speaking the truth in love, providing strength, and stirring the hearts of our listeners. We are so glad to have you joining us today as you listen to this message from Pastor Tim Cruz. Let's take our Bibles and stand together, please. If you're able to stand with me, I want you to turn in God's Word to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, I want you to find your place here. We're going to read two verses by way of introduction, and then we're going to make our way to the book of Acts. John chapter 4, let's read aloud together verse 28 and verse 29. The woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come, see a man which told me all things ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Thank you, you may be seated. Rebecca and I were in Israel recently, and we were able to visit Jacob's Well. How many of you have ever heard of Jacob's Well? From there, it's in the actual bottom of a convent, and uh, down there at the well, we got this little jar with water from the well, sealed in this little jar to bring home with us. And we thought about this in the basement of this Greek Orthodox convent. It's located in the Old Testament city of Shechem, modern-day Nablus, about 58 miles north of Jerusalem. Uh, There's some conflict that broke out this week that was just a little bit further north from Nablus itself, Jenin. And so as we think about this, we were there able to visit uh, Jacob's well and see uh, just the history and be reminded of how God used this. You can see the uh, church itself from the outside and then from the inside, a very beautiful place, very ornate. And then we were there at the well and uh, amazing time, this actual well The Bible says here in John chapter 4 and verse 11, the well is deep. Think about that. Some 151 feet deep. The limestone underneath the surface here is softer underground. It hardens when it's exposed to the elements. And so that's how they believed all these years ago they were able to dig so deep. And uh, we poured water in this well and we waited And we counted, and it took the water 4.5 seconds to hit the water in the bottom of the well. Think of that. That's how deep the well is. And it's just like that to this day in the bottom of this convent, this church here. And I think about it. I think about how one thing we learned over there is that when there is a historic place of significance, so much of what you find in modern day buildings and things as such, it's all about space. It's about where that was, and people oftentimes would build something sacred around it or on top of it, depending on their perspective and where they were coming from. And so this is historically verified going all the way back to be Jacob's well where Christ was when he spoke to this Samaritan woman. Amazing, is it not? And we think about 
the Word of God, we as believers do not need external evidence. We believe God is true and His Word is inspired. But there is much external evidence attesting to the authenticity of the Word of God. Let God be true and every man a liar. God's Word is sufficient for all things. And I thought about this woman here. The Bible says that she left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith unto the men, Come see a man which told me all things ever I did. And just like this woman left her water pot and took the well of life to her community, so must we do likewise as a local church. We have met the very water of life himself. People are dying of thirst spiritually. She went and told the men of her city, come and see a man. He told me, oh, is not this the Messiah, the Christ, the one who has promised to come? She went and told. That's what God wants us to do. God wants us to be a church of action. And to be a church of action that pleases God and has his blessing upon us, we must follow the biblical pattern for church ministry. You know, there's a lot of ideas about church ministry today, what it is, how it is to function, and what God says in his word. And we would do well to go to the word of God and say, Lord, what do you want for this church? How do you want us to function? We're driven by the word of God, not by the culture, not by the ideas of man, but by the very wisdom and power of God. So we go to God's word and we say, Lord, show me, teach me, teach us, Lord, what would you have us to do? And so with that in mind, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles over to the book of Acts. Acts chapter 1. The book of Acts is the book of the continuing Christ in the person of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. God wants us to see this pattern for church ministry and service as it's initiated and then it's further refined and defined as you get into the further writings of the New Testament. But the book of Acts is a transitional book. There are temporary sign gifts that God gives that once they are, the word of God is completed and fulfilled according to 1 Corinthians 13, then these temporary sign gifts are done away with. We think about the work of the ministry that God has given us here with this biblical pattern. And I want you to write some things down this morning as we look to the scriptures. If we're going to follow the biblical pattern as a local church here at Shining Light, God wants us to understand the need for the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. I want you to write that down, if you will, number one, the unction of the Holy Spirit. Because Jesus says here after his resurrection, after he arose and he appeared to his disciples just before he ascended into heaven, Acts chapter 1 and verse 8, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. He said, I'm going to give you Holy Spirit power. The word unction 
we find in 1 John chapter 2 and verse 20. But ye have an unction from the Holy One. The word unction means an anointing, an endowment of power, a capacity for service. Once we trust Christ as Savior, the Bible says the Holy Spirit places us into the body of Christ. We're baptized, placed into Christ, Christ in us. The Holy Spirit takes up permanent resonance within every believer. He resides within. The Bible teaches us that we're to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That does not mean we get more of the Holy Spirit. That means the Holy Spirit gets more of us. The thought is that we're to be controlled by the Holy Spirit as He works in our lives to cleanse, to conform, to teach us, to make us more into the image of Jesus Christ, God's dear Son, Romans 8, 29. As He's working in us, sanctifying us, He's enabling us to live victoriously over sin, to fulfill the gift or gifts that God the Holy Spirit has equipped us with to be expressed in the local body of believers, which is the local church. But then there is Holy Spirit power for witnessing, to give the gospel. There's an emphasis put on the Holy Spirit in many places. The Holy Spirit will never draw attention to himself. The Bible teaches that the Holy Spirit points people to Jesus Christ. And if we're a spirit-filled child of God, we won't be caught up in, look at me and how spirit-filled I am. We'll be caught up in telling other people, look at Jesus Christ and who he is. He's the Savior of the world. If we're not giving out the gospel, it's a good indication that we're not controlled by the Holy Spirit. Jesus said, Follow me and I'll make you to become what? Fishers of men. We're walking close to Christ. We're telling others about him. The disciple says we can't help but to tell the things that we both seen and heard. We can't keep it to ourselves. Jesus is so real and so good. We just have to tell others. And when you're walking close to Christ, there's this inward compulsion this inward enabling that God gives us to just simply tell others to point them unto him. That's what God wants us to see here. He said, but you shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you and you shall be what? There it is, witnesses unto me. Power of the Holy Spirit for witnessing. They were praying, they were waiting on God and as they prayed and God sent them this enabling, this divine capacity, then they were to simply go in this power, obey the great commission to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature starting at home. There's no place to stop. They were to be everlastingly at it even unto the uttermost parts of the earth. That's why we believe in missions here. We're missionaries for Christ here in Monroe, in Union County, in Greater Charlotte, in our Jerusalem, in our Judea, in the heart of the two Carolinas. But then as that spreads out, we go into the uttermost parts. How do we go? We go through our missionaries, through prayer support, financial support. We go with them in heart, but they go on our behalf in taking the gospel to the ends of the earth. That's why the Holy Spirit was given 
to witness of the resurrected Christ. To do the work that God's given us to do as a local church, we need the unction, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's not a work we can do of ourselves. It is not in the power of our own strength or our own intellect. Paul said, I did not come to you with enticing words of man's wisdom. I wasn't trying to impress you with my education, my background. I came to you simply in demonstration of power, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the gospel, which is able to save man from the guttermost to the uttermost. It is the power of God unto salvation. That's what the gospel is. And we must have the power of the Holy Spirit working on our lives, in our lives, and through our lives. But notice number two, Acts chapter six. Turn there, if you will, Acts chapter six. To follow the Bible pattern for us to be a church in action, to do the work that God has given us to do. We need the unction of the Holy Spirit, number two. We need the function of the body, the function of the body. As you come to Acts chapter 6 here, there were those who had needs, widows, practical needs. There was a daily distribution being made of the needs that they had, and some were being overlooked, neglected, and uh, they were left out. And it's like, hey, we've got to figure out what to do here. Because there is the spiritual foundation of the local church. There's the spiritual leadership of the local church. But there's a practical outworking of what we believe. Because if we say we believe it in word, but we don't demonstrate it in deed or in our works, then the question is, do we really believe it? Because belief affects behavior. We have to understand and see the correlation there. And as we come to this, I think it's interesting that God said before them in verse number two, now there's a decision that's got to be made. It is not reason that we should leave the word of God and serve tables. There are roles and functions within the body here, and there are those that have a responsibility to spend time with God, to pray, to study, to teach and preach. And there are those who can help as they're giving their time to that, giving their time in service to God to help in very practical ways. And so God led them through the power of the Holy Spirit that they were to choose out men. These would be the first deacons, the word deacon meaning servant. These were to be the servants of God, the servants of the local church. And there were to be those that the Bible says in verse number 3, Look out among you seven men of honest report, full of the Holy Ghost and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. There was a decision that had to be made. There was a delegation that had to be made. The word appoint here simply means to entrust with this, to delegate, to simply say, will you help? Will you serve the Lord and work with us in serving the needs of our church family? There is a function that God has for the local church. Oftentimes, if we're not careful, we'll miss that. We will think, well, if God's going to do his work in this world, he's going to do it with or without us, and we miss it. God says, I am going to do my work in this world, and this is the way I'm going to do it. Now, either you will trust me and obey me, and I'll bless you and work through you, or I'll have to find someone else, because this is the way I do my work. This is the word of God. This is what God is saying. 
This is how I want it done. Now think about it. There was a decision, there was a delegation, and then there was a designation in verse number four. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. Now get this, verse seven. Now when the function of the church was brought into proper order and practicality as to what God had designed and intended, when they had that revelation and understanding from God, the Bible says in verse seven, and the word of God did what? Increased. And the number of the disciples multiplied in Jerusalem greatly. There's a city before us that needs the Lord. As I read the daily news, I think about so many people outside of Jesus Christ. I think about the great need of our city for the Lord. And I thought, Lord, this is very doable. If we're just sitting here thinking, well, if God wants us to reach the city, you know, he'll show us, he'll help us, he'll figure it out. No, he won't. He's already figured it out, already spelled it out, already said, if you go, I'll go with you and I'll give you the power of the Holy Spirit. I'll even go before you. I'll work on hearts. I'll prepare people. Think of that. So while we're waiting on God, we think, the truth is, God is waiting on us. Who would just simply take me at my word, roll up your sleeves, and say, all right, let's put these things in place. Let's find our place and fill it. Let's do it from our hearts as unto the Lord, filled with the Holy Spirit, controlled by the Holy Spirit, empty of self, filled with him, so that we can simply be a witness for Jesus Christ. We love the Lord. We walk with him. We just can't keep it to ourselves. We got to tell somebody. So we gladly, not only individually, but corporately, in a systematic, organized, coordinated way, have a strategy to intentionally share the gospel of Jesus Christ with everyone who lives in our city. That's the mission that God has given us. That's what God will bless in this hour. Our church in action, doing what God has given us to do. We're to be taught, we're to be equipped, but it is for service. It is for the advancement of the gospel. People say, well, I just want to study the word of God. Good, I hope it draws you closer to the Lord. I hope it makes you more like Jesus Christ, but if it truly makes you more like him, you'll have to tell someone somewhere about him. You don't just study, we're not Dead Sea Christians. And there at the Dead Sea, it's an interesting place. It just takes in and takes in. It's the lowest point. Think about that. The lowest elevation in all the earth. The Dead Sea, it takes in, but it never gives out. I don't want to be a Dead Sea Christian. I'd rather be like the uh, sea of Galilee, the River Jordan flowing from up north down through the Sea of Galilee and then out down. That what comes, that's what comes down to the Dead Sea, flows into there. But the Sea of Galilee, I thought it was interesting. You know, they've found a way in Israel now to desalinate uh, the uh, salt water. And I saw a video recently that said, water's not a problem anymore here. Some years back I was there and they said water's a real problem. The Sea of Galilee is drying up. 
And they talked about how low it was getting and then how the nations were fighting over water, really. And they said, that's not a problem anymore. Amazing, is it not? The wisdom, the insight, the technology, the ability that you find in Israel is unsurpassed anywhere in the world. That small little nation, God has his hand upon his people. I want to be someone that God is able to work in and through. Out of your belly shall flow rivers of what? Living water. That's what he said there in John chapter 4. I mean, it is a well of life that we take in, and it's unending, ever flowing through us to bless others, to refresh others. That's why we get in the well of the water of God's word and get renewed day by day in our mind and in our spirit. And as we're renewed in the Lord, there's a freshness about us. You know, think about it. A healthy church is made up of healthy members. People who have a healthy walk with God, a healthy understanding about the Christian life and the mission that we're on. They're not competing entities or ideas or factions or visions. No, we're all on the same page. And what is that page? The scriptures, the word of God. What God says is what we're gonna do. We're gonna honor the Lord. His word is the final authority in all matters of faith and practice in our midst. Oh, the function of the body. Number one, say it with me. We need the unction of the Holy Spirit. Number two, the function of the body. And so much more could be said there. But then number three, turn to Acts chapter eight, just a page over here. And write this down. We must have the action of the people. The action of the people. We must do because of what Christ has done. He said it is finished. He's done his work. Now it's our work to do. Take this gospel, this message that I have done, I have completed, I've offered up myself as a sacrifice for sin, I have prevailed upon death, hell, and the grave. I have arisen from the dead. I want you to take this message unto the uttermost part, starting right here at home with your neighbor, your family, your coworker, the people you see as you go about your day to day. That's what I want you to do. That's the mission I have for you. And then give them the gospel, point them to Christ, teach them the word of God, disciple them. Train them to go and do likewise, to be a witness for me. That's what God says, and that's how his work multiplies. It's amazing. But as we think about it, God wants us to finish the work that he's given us to do as he finished his work on the cross. We have begun well, many of us. How are we faring? The Bible says you did run well. Who hath hindered you? who's tripped you up, who's discouraged you, who has somehow uh, caused you to hesitate in following Christ fully. As you come to Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, the Bible says there was a great persecution. Remember, God had told his people to spread out, go everywhere preaching the gospel, but they were content to stay there in Jerusalem like we are. Normally, that's human nature. So he sent a persecution to 
scatter them out, to spread them out, that they might go and do what he had given them to do. And that's exactly what happened. The Bible says in Acts chapter 8 and verse 1, think about it, Acts 1.8, go. Now I'm going to give you the Holy Spirit to empower you, to enable you to go and tell others. Well, they must not have gone very far because then you get to Acts 8.1 and God says you need to go a little further. And so he allowed persecution to come. The Bible says, and they were all scattered abroad throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria except the apostles. And then he goes down here into verse number four and says, therefore they that were scattered abroad went what? Everywhere preaching the word. In Samaria, it's amazing. Philip went down to the city of Samaria, which is north of Jerusalem. You say, how do you go down north? Because you've got to know this and understand, and you'll see this if you're able to go at some point, that Jerusalem is the hill city. It's a hill country, really. So you go up to Jerusalem, even from north. And so he goes down here, and there's a great revival. There's great joy in that city, verse 8 says. But then God called him to go to one man. Think about this. Out in the desert here, in verse 26, this Ethiopian eunuch, and share Christ with him. And you know what? He was reading the Old Testament, Isaiah 53. Philip asked him in verse 30, Understandest thou what thou readest? He said, How can I, except some man should guide me? I don't know who this prophet is speaking of. Would you explain this to me? He says, is he speaking of himself, verse 34, or some other man? Then Philip opened his mouth, began the same scripture, and preached unto him Jesus. That's your message and mine, your ministry and mine, one-on-one. Think about it. What is the gospel? What is witnessing? It is some man, verse 31, telling a man about some other man, verse 34. You see that? You've got the saved. You've got the sinner, verse 27. You've got the Savior, verse 34. Underline that. Some man, verse 31, telling a man, verse 27, about some other man, verse 34. That's what God wants us to do. Someone said evangelism is one beggar telling another beggar where to find bread. I found the bread of life, and it has conquered the hunger of my soul. Have you found the bread of life? Do you know Christ today? If you know Christ, surely you have a heart, a desire to make him known. You want to tell others. Any mission that we're on that does not highlight or emphasize Giving the gospel to people who do not know Christ is not biblically sound. At the very heart of everything we do as a church must be giving out the gospel of Jesus Christ. It must be. That's the only hope that people have is in Christ. So I think about this. We got in our church family here at different times, each of us, but we got in this family of God the same way. At different times, but the same way, by grace through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. We have various backgrounds and abilities, but God has placed us here together 
for such a time as this. What work God has begun in us, he fully intends to finish. In diversity, there's to be unity, bringing our gifts, our abilities, our background, our heart, and say, Lord, I'll serve you with my church family here in this place in these days. God wants us to get in our lane of the race that he set before us and determine to keep going and to finish. I read this story recently after hearing it and got a copy of the transcript because I wanted to pass it along to you as I close. A pastor recently told of one Shinzu Kanakuri. Anyone ever heard of that name? A long time ago, he was the first athlete to represent Japan in the Olympic Games in 1912. He represented Japan in Stockholm. He was an exciting newcomer for the marathon event at just 20 years old. He had set a world record the year before. Expectations were very high. Unfortunately for Kanakuri, things did not go as planned after a brutal journey from Japan that took almost three weeks. He was in a rough shape prior to the start of the Olympic marathon, and to make matters worse, that event was run on an especially balmy day in Sweden with high temperatures and skyrocketing humidity. After about 16 miles into the race, Kanakuri faltered. He stumbled into a local garden and collapsed. He was eventually found by a Swedish family who nursed him back to health with raspberry juice, cinnamon rolls, and a comfortable bed. Despite that kindness, the Japanese runner was mortified at his own failure and didn't know what to do. He quietly returned to Japan to deal with his shame. He left so quietly, in fact, that the Swedish officials had no record of what happened to him, and he was considered a missing person for almost 50 years. Thankfully, there's a happy ending to his story. In 1967, Swedish officials arranged for the now elderly runner to return to Stockholm and to finish the race, starting where he had left the course all those decades ago. Kanakuri completed the course with a mind-boggling time of 54 years, 8 months, 6 days, 5 hours, 32 minutes, and 20.3 seconds. Despite a long delay, he completed his race. He reached the finish line and then was greeted not only by his children, but by his grandchildren. Now, I don't know where you may have stumbled or gotten off track. There is a God in heaven whose grace is greater than your stumbling point, whatever that is. And he invites you back unto himself today to get back on track where you got off. And go back after this race, run it anew so that you can complete it and finish it one day. That's what God wants for us individually. And that's what God wants for our church. You say, Pastor, we face some challenges through the years. And oh, have we. 
but so have you. All of us have. Some things that seem really put us behind. Some things, what was challenged to rise above. But you know what? In it all, God was faithful. Was he not? And God was merciful. And God says this, you're still here. I've still got a plan for your life. As long as there's life, there's hope. I want you to get back on track and run this race again that I've called you to run. And I want you to finish this time. And I will help you. Thank you for listening to The Shining Light. We pray that this time has been a time of encouragement and blessing to you. The Shining Light is a production of Shining Light Baptist Church located at 2541 Old Charlotte Highway in Monroe, North Carolina. If you don't have a church home, we invite you to join us. Service times and more information can be found at our website, www.shininglightmonroe.com. You can also watch our services on Facebook and YouTube and connect with us on social media. Thank you for joining us, and God bless.